Well, here's a question. How do you feel about the Bible? I mean, we, you know, in our church, we go, yeah, we love the Bible. It's the greatest. It's the truth. You know, when we have membership training, we take a whole section and say, what do we believe about the Bible? And we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It is perfect. Believe it and live it out. It is special and precious. When I think of the Bible, I think it is, it is complete. Uh, we see God in the Bible. We see what He's like. We see how we're supposed to live. But not everybody sees the Bible in the same way. There are really three ways to deal with the Bible. One is that you reject it. There are a lot of people who reject it, or they reject parts of it. It's just like they may say, oh, I believe that there was a Jesus, but I don't believe there was a Jonah. Or I, I don't believe the world was created in six days, but I believe Jesus lived in Nazareth. I mean, so sometimes they reject it in the sense because they'll say, I think that they become the judge of the Scripture. The second thing is sometimes people add to it. And when we do that, you've got the cults always add to it. The Mormons say, yeah, the Bible, the King James Bible is fine as long as it's interpreted correctly. But we also have the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants. And then you say the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they've got their book. You've, you see Mary Baker, Eddie, and the Christian scientists, they've got all their stuff. And they add to it. And a lot of people do that. Of course, you don't need to add to it. It's the perfect book. And so the third way to deal with the Bible is trust it completely. It is God's perfect word. Paul said all scriptures inspired by God and just profitable. Well, this morning, we're going to see that Elijah, Elijah and a widow, as they relate to the Word of God, I mean, they're going to have to believe the Word of God. Now, it's a little bit different uh, because you've got God coming to a prophet and giving him direct revelation. We have the written revelation, so we've we got to live it. We've got to understand it and live it out. But we're going to see God actually comes to Elijah and tells him what to do. Elijah announces the word, and the widow and Elijah both obey the word of God. And that's kind of really the key, isn't it? And it doesn't matter how you got it. If you, if you, we got the written revelation, the entire thing. That's what, we, in our class on Wednesday nights, the 2-2 study, one of the things we looked at is we said, you know, we're so fortunate we have the complete word of God. Not part of it. I mean, you think about it. When Moses lived, there wasn't any. And Moses wrote down the first five books. And you get to the time of Jesus, and you had what we'd say the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the, the, the Old Testament, but none of the New Testament letters. We are so fortunate. We have the entire Word of God. So we want to be encouraged. Well, let's see what's happened. We've been seeing Elijah the prophet raised up by God to confront Ahab, and his message was clear. There will be no rain. In, in fact, he said, there will be no rain from my say-so. We know that from the book of James that it was three and a half years. And so to protect Elijah, because once he made that and it stopped raining and everything was going to be a drought, I mean, this king was going to try to kill Elijah. So God sent him away, and he sent him to a little place called Cherith. It was a little brook, and uh, he was there three, you know, he was there a while before he goes back public again, which is three and a half years later. And let, let me show you what Chuck Swindoll said. Chuck Swindoll said, at this time, God is preparing Elijah for even greater ministry. Now, we think, well, he's already went straight to a king. But basically, all he's done is go straight to a king and tell him it's not going to rain anymore. The basic training is by the brook, but the Lord moves Elijah to advanced training at Zarephath. That's where the widow is, and we're going to see that. So this morning, we're going to see the advanced training. By the way, God's doing the same thing with each one of us. Sometimes you feel like you're by the brook. Sometimes you feel like you're by yourself. Sometimes you feel like you're in a private thing that, that nobody knows you, and you don't know anybody, and you're not really doing anything, and nothing's going on, but what God is doing is preparing you to use you for something 
something bigger. Now, if you, of course, if you go through the training, he's going to use us. If we don't, he won't. But God is in the process of training us. The events and the circumstances of our lives are shaping us. And the truth is this. He will use us beyond what we could imagine. I want you to think about that. I mean, right now, you could say, how could God, how could God use you? Stop for a minute and say, what would you want God to do through you? Here's what's amazing. You can't even imagine what he can do through you. It's beyond what you can ask or imagine. So let's look at our passage. It's the feeding at Zarephath. That's what we're going to see. The widow's final meal. He's going to send him to a widow, and we're going to see Elijah's message and a miracle. Now, technically, we've always seen sort of a miracle. The birds come in the morning and the evening and bring food, right? That, we'd say, that's kind of a miracle that every day those birds came, uh, but the brook, I mean, the water uh, dries up. And so we're going to see that he goes to Zarephath. By the way, Zarephath means smelting. It, it's like refining. It's where you heat something and get it ready. Well, that's what's happening in Elijah's life. God is heating him. God is getting him ready. He's got something really big to do. So let's see. Let's go back to verse 7, uh, 1 Kings 17. It says, it happened that after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Well, this is the problem. The brook dries up. And he's been there for a good while. It could even be as long as a year or more that he was by there. The ravens would come every day. And, and then the brook dries up. And so you got a problem. And how do you feel when you say, I'm doing everything I can to live for Jesus, and i got all these problems? Why does this go wrong? Why did that have to happen now? What, what's going on here? Well, you're saying, I must be doing something wrong. Not necessarily. Elijah's done exactly what God told him, and now the brook dried up. So uh, Elijah could be saying, uh, what, what's the plan now? I don't, this, this, one's, this one's coming to an end, this plan. And so look what happened in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying... Now, we talked about this last week. How did the word of the Lord come to him? Did it, come? it didn't say a dream. You know, sometimes it'll say the word of the Lord came to him in a dream, and it didn't say that. It just says the word of the Lord came to him. Now, he's a prophet of God. So does, does somehow an angel appear and give him a message? Does God just, just speak somehow, and he hears it and gets the message? I don't know. It doesn't say. All it says is the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. That's outside of Israel, basically. Stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, I want you to see what happens. This is verses 8 and 9. The word of the Lord comes to him. God gives revelation to him, and he says, Go. And by the way, this is close to 70 to 80 mile trip. This is not a little short thing like go go to Perkins, you know, eight or nine miles. No, this is a hundred mile trip, 80, 80 to 900. And he's got to go. And, and so it, he says the message, I am, we, we put it this way. Uh, I am moving you from the brook to the city of Zarephath. And we're going to see that. And notice what he says, which is amazing. How has he provided for Elijah up to this time? What? The, the birds, right? Now, now watch what he says. Behold, I have commanded, this is verse 8, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, when you hear that, and if you're, if you're, if you're Elijah, and it says, I commanded a widow, you must think, must be a rich widow. I mean, because, I mean, widow, widows in, in, in that day and time were fairly poor, usually. Usually, if you were a widow, you didn't have much. Maybe whatever your husband or something may have left you, but you didn't have hardly anything. And so to be a rich widow would be unusual. And, but he says, this, I have commanded. 
this widow to provide for you. So he probably goes, well, she must be okay. I mean, she's got to have plenty. I mean, how else is she going to provide for me if she doesn't have anything? So, so this is great. If you look back at verse 4, it says, You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you. So in the same way that he commanded the ravens, he commands uh, the widow. Uh, Spurgeon said when he shuts one door, he opens another one. And so he's shutting the birds and the water there, which is not any water anymore. He's now said, Go to Zarephath to this widow because I have commanded a widow to provide for you. So you can just see him going, okay, I mean, I'll do, I'm going to do whatever you say. Now, look at this. Zarephath was near the hometown of guess who? Jezebel. She was a Sidonian. She brought in the false worship of the Sidonians. She is the one that's married to King Ahab, and where she is from was most likely very near this town. He actually tells Elijah to go to a place where she is from, this evil woman. He goes up there and says, go there, and we're going to see his obedience. Notice what it says. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. I'm not going to read any more, but it says, so he arose and went to Zarephath. I want you to know that he has to trust God. You know why? Two things. One, that the widow would be there and provide. What if he got to Zarephath and said, I'm looking for a widow, and they went, and then he goes, the widow's here. Uh, all the widows we had here died. I mean, it's a drought, you know. There wasn't much for him. So he's going to have to believe that when he gets there, the widow will be there and she'll be able to provide and he's going to make this trip and that he won't get caught on the way because remember, what's he been doing for the last year? He's hiding. I mean, the king's looking for him. We're going to see it later on that, that Ahab is going out, even Ahab uh, personally is going out to try to find him. So are you ready for this one? The widow that God has commanded to take care of of Elijah doesn't even know it yet. She doesn't even know it. God didn't come to her and say, I'm sending a prophet named Elijah. He's going to come to your house. You're going to take care of him. She doesn't even know it yet. And so look what happens when he gets to the gate. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, there was this widow there, and she was gathering sticks. And he called to her, and assuming this must be it. She's a widow. And, and you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't even know she's a widow. I mean, maybe the, I'm a widow, wasn't sweet. Who knows? I, how, would, how would he know that it was a widow? Unless maybe some people, he, as he came in, he said, I'm looking for a widow. And they said, there, there's a widow that lives here. She's the one picking up the sticks over there. It just doesn't tell us, but he saw this widow gathering sticks. And look what he says to her. Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. Now, what, what, what's going on? There's a drought. Where's she going to get a bunch? Where's she going to get water? I mean, she may have a little water. I mean, there's some, but, but the stranger out of nowhere asked you for water? She could say, uh, I don't have very much water, and I'm not giving it out to anybody. Okay, so she's gathering sticks, and, and it says, uh, please give me a little water from a jar. Realize the drought is there. So look what she said. And she, obviously she said, okay. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, oh, by the way, one more thing. Watch. He called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. So he said, you got some water? And she went, well, I, yeah, I probably got a little bit. I'll go get it. Oh, oh, oh by the way, by the way, uh, bring me some bread back. Yeah. T 
typical, is that what you said? Susie said typical man. He thinks just, call, hey, fix me a sandwich. You know, okay, so I mean, that's, you know, that's, I guess that's it. So, hey, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. And so he calls out to her so as she's going, and, and this is the widow, but we find out that she's not the only one. She has a son. And so not only has she got to have water for her and her son, she got to have bread for her and her son. And so he calls out, hey, and by the way, would you make me a sandwich? Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand, not only the water and the bread. Now, you know why he's doing this? What did God promise him? I have commanded a widow to do what? Provide for you. What, what, what do you need to, to make it? You need bread and water, right? I mean, you've got to have something, something to drink and something to eat. He's checking it out. Does she have something to eat? Does she have something to drink? Look at her answer. But she said, verse 12, as the Lord your God lives. I've got to stop it right there for a second. She, as the Lord your God lives. Is she Jewish? Is she Jewish? Where does she live? Zarephath, which is in Sidon. She's Sidonian. She's not Jewish. But what she says to this man, obviously, maybe they've said more than just, hey, by the way, I need some water and a sandwich. He may have said, look, I'm, I'm a prophet of God. I've come up here, and God told me you're supposed to take care of me. Who knows? I don't know what they said. But she says, listen, I, I don't, as, you're, as the Lord your God lives. Now, when we... we we, we typed this. We didn't type it exactly. The Lord is all capitals there. If you look in your Bible, as the Lord your God lives, that's the personal name of God, Y-H-W-H. She uses the personal name of God to Elijah, and she's not Jewish, as the Lord your God lives. And then she gets it right down to it. She says, I have no bread. I only have a handful of flour in a bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in, prepare for me and my son, and that we're going to eat it. And what's going to happen to us? We're going to die. There's no more food. We don't have anything else. So remember, she, she recognized that he's the God of Israel. And remember, she's not Jewish. And she, uh, she apparently said that. And she said, listen, by the way, I, I don't really have any bread. You just told me to go bring you some bread. I really don't have any bread because what I actually have, I have a small amount, a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And I'm going to, I was gathering the sticks that I'd make one final meal for me and my son. And then we're going to die because there's nothing here. And by the way, she said, uh, uh, I have a little handful of flour in a bowl. The word bowl is the word for a little barrel, but it's like the smallest possible barrel they ever had. It wasn't like this big old barrel. I got a little bit down in there. It's like a little bitty, little bitty bucket. And she says, I just barely have a handful of flour in the bucket, and I just have barely have any oil to cook. I mean, she said, I, I'm just going to get stuff uh, uh, so we can die. Now, you could think of Elijah saying, this is the widow that's supposed to take care of me. She didn't even have anything for herself. But we're not through. We're not through. Because God provides. God provides. And so, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl. I'm just going to do that. But Elijah said to her, look at verse 13. Elijah, do not fear. By the way, God always provides, right? God provides for our salvation. How did he do it? We've been seeing this Sunday morning. Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again, conquers death, 
provides for salvation, gives you eternal life. It's not our works. It's not our good deeds. It's not anything we do. We take the gift of eternal life. We also realize that God provides everything in our Christian life. Apart from him, we can do nothing. In Christ, we can do all things. Apart from him, we can do nothing. He provides for us day in and day out. Elijah has got a plan. Elijah has got a plan because God told him the plan. And I want you to think about this. God will use Elijah to meet the widow's needs. God will use the widow to meet Elijah's needs. Do you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like the body of Christ is what it sounds like to me, right? All got different gifts, talents, abilities, all of us working together with all the different things uh, so that we can help each other grow. Basically here, he's saying, uh, uh, the widow's going to take care of you, and you're going to take care of the widow. It's powerful. Look what he says in verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first. Bring it out to me. And afterward, you may wait one for yourself and one for your son. Now, wait a minute. What do you think of that one? Look what he says. Don't fear. It's not over. Uh, First of all, make bread for me first. You say you just barely got enough for you and your son. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make it for me first. And then whatever's left over, make bread for yourself and your son. Now, she could say, I think we got this backwards. I'm making it for me and my son, and then if there's any left over, you can get it. But that's not what it says, because the next verse is the key. See, it's, it's amazing. Look what he says. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. I want you to look at that. I'm not going to go too fast down that. The Lord God. All capitals, L-O-R-D, that's the personal name of God. Then the, the other word is God is Elohim. So we've got uh, Yahweh Elohim. That's the powerful personal name of God. And here's what he says. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. He says, look, you can go in there. And you can make mine first. And when you look back down in there, it's still going to be some. And you can make one for you. Then you look back down in there, and there's one for your son. And you can wake up the next morning, and you're going to look down in there, and there's some every time. He says it's never going to run out, the, the flour or the oil, until, until I end the drought. Until the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Wow. The bowl will not get empty. The oil will not run out. This is God's word. Let me ask you a question. Will he provide for us anything that we need? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Is that right? Do we have to worry? Should we ever be afraid? He'll never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear, right? Is he going to take care of us in every aspect of our lives? And so just like this little widow, it says, so what you're telling me, is God's going to take care of it that when I go make your bread, I look back down and there'll be some for me. And then when I make it for me, I make it for my son. And then it's, not, it's going to always be there until the rain comes. Does he take care of us day in and day out until he comes to get us? Because one of these days he's going to come get us. And thus we'll always be with the Lord. Does he provide for us? 
How do you not look at the scripture? When you see a promise, it amazes me to see the promise of eternal life and, and say to someone, if you believe in Jesus Christ, what does he give you? And they say, eternal life. And I say, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Yes. Great. So you have eternal life. I hope so. And I go, wait, 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 wait. I hope so. What does he tell you? You can know so. What is the promise? The promise is eternal life. The promise is he's going to come get us. The promise is a new body. The promise is a home in heaven. The promise I'll never leave you, forsake you. The promise I'll provide every need that you have. The promise I will protect you. Those are promises <coughs> that he's made for us, and you can count on it. You can count on it. So look at verse 15. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for what? For how long? Many days. You know how long it was? I can tell you exactly how many days it was till it started raining. That's how many days it was till it started raining. Isn't that exactly right? And, and, and look what it goes on to say. The, flour, the bowl of the flour was not exhausted, nor the, the jar of the oil became empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. She did. She obeyed exactly what happened, and we can count on the Bible, it is truth, it is always accurate. Whenever you see a true principle, something from the Bible, you can say, that is true, I can count on it. Do you believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds and there'll be a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, we who are alive and remain to be caught up with him? You believe that? So that's the next event, and it could happen any second. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is going to rule in Jerusalem for a thousand years? I do too, yeah. Do you believe he's going to take care of every need that we have while we live on this earth? Yeah. Do you believe that the power of the Holy Spirit in you will give you the power and ability to serve him completely, not in your strength, but his strength? you believe that? Do you believe that this is actually the perfect, inerrant word of God that you can trust? Yeah, those are all the promises of God, whatever he says. Now, we're going to stop there, but let me show you something. The training gets tougher. You know what? You know what's going to happen? There's going to be a death involved. See, he's got to be ready because he's now trusted God by the brook. He's trusted God by the birds. He's trusted God that water. He's now gone to Zarephath, and he's trusted God that this widow will provide, and she's going to provide. In fact, it just keeps coming every day, but something's going to happen. And he's going to have to trust God. Because one of these days, he's going to stand before 850 people and challenge them that you say, is Baal God or is Yahweh God? Let's have a contest. And for him to be able to do that, he's going to have to have trusted God and be trained and equipped. And let me tell you, God's not going to use you to do a big thing until you're ready to do little things. How many people say, I just want to do big things for God. Well, why don't you start by doing something little for God? Because he trains you. He takes us right where we are, and he uses us. And so if we want to do big things for God, I do. Don't you want to do big things for God? Well, we just, just do little things for God. We just got to be faithful wherever he puts us. I know time is up, so let's go quickly through some applications. Let's trust God's perfect word. It is true. The Bible is the inspired word of God. It is alive and powerful. It is true. Whatever promise is there, we got to trust God concerning eternal life salvation. He said, if you believe in Jesus Christ, uh, he gives to you eternal life. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. We know that. We also trust him in our Christian 
Christian lives day in and day out. He takes care of us. We also have to trust him in the events and circumstances of our lives. A lot of things are not good, right? How many of you, well, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you, just think about it, how many of you have some hard things going on in your life right now? Every one of us in this room could go, well, I mean, if you want me to tell the truth, yeah, I mean, I, there's some things going on. We've got to trust him during the hard things. I mean, we could all say, well, that was real good. That was real good, but that wasn't real good. So let's trust God in the events and circumstances. Elijah rested in God. He was trained by the brook, by widow, and this death. We're going to see this death in just a few minutes. So what do we do? We go to him in prayer in all situations because that's what we've been seeing. Elijah is a man of prayer. The second thing is we obey the word of God, whatever the scripture said. That's exactly what they did. And last, honor him with what we have. The widow did it. He said, God said it will not wear out. So you go fix me first and then you and it'll never wear out. And she could have gone in there and said, I don't believe that. I'm not doing that. But she said, I'm going to do it. And sure enough, she made it, and she looked back down there, and she said, there's flowers still in there. How can that be? And every time she used it, until the rain, there was flower in there. Wow. May we trust God in his perfect word in the events and circumstances of our lives.